Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey, guys, welcome to the basement. It's Friday. It's almost time to imbibe. I'm looking forward to it. Are you? We're going to do it together at the end of the show, but we got all kinds of things to get to first. The reign of horror is over in our nation's capital. Not that one. We're talking about the Washington Commanders. A new leader looms, and it's a great thing, and we're going to celebrate why it's a great thing. Plus, I got a spot for the most interesting, the most titillating, the most... Sexy prospect in the NFL draft. I know where he's going. I have several spots, but I have a feeling where he should go. And did you see Isaiah Thomas hang up on Max Kellerman and Keyshawn? It was great. And you might be surprised where I come out on this. It's what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Uh, I've said this already, I love Anthony Richardson, the giant action figure, X-Men, Avenger, physical specimen out of Florida, and he's coming to the draft. The draft is in exactly 13 days from when I'm recording this, the first round, and he will be part of that. And he is such an interesting conversation because he's all these incredible measurables, which are so great and just everybody salivates over, but he's also a really charismatic guy who the media likes and the teammates like. It's, he's got a lot going on. The question is, is the football good? If you care if he's a good football player or not, we're not sure. If you don't care, go ahead and draft him. If you do, you might give pause to drafting him in the first round. But I've come out like this. Everybody's guessing this guy, this guy. I don't do mocks here. At least not yet. We got a long way to draft. I might do a mock draft. I have a feeling I know where Anthony Richardson, this quarterback, should go. I'm going to go full conventional old wisdom on this. To take somebody with that few starts and that much muscle... Let's just put him and let him marinate for a little bit. Let's put him uh, like a brisket in the smoker. It's going to take several, several, several games, hours, weeks, months, maybe even multiple years. So if you look at these teams who have a first-round pick, who are not going to be like the Texans, who are like, get out there, kid, good luck. Try not to get killed. Hold on to your butts. Who actually have a veteran quarterback already behind which Anthony Richardson could chill and learn. Here's my teams where Anthony Richardson definitely should go and hopefully will go. Seahawks, fifth overall pick. He's right there for the taking. He will probably be available there. Seahawks have kind of a sort of fake money, shorter term deal with Geno Smith, who is an incredible guy, an incredible teammate, who has sat behind other guys for years and would completely empathize with Anthony Richardson as this heir apparent to him. Great guy, great player, Pete Carroll, great. Seahawks would be the biggest home run for Anthony Richardson to go with Seahawks at five. Next, Lions. Lions have Jared Goff. I'm sure they're in like with him. I don't know if anybody's completely in love with Jared Goff at this stage, but he played really well down the stretch. They have the six, they could go there, or even if he's just hanging around, they could go also to the Lions at 18. Coming to that cool thing, Dan Campbell's building, they got a running game, they got some cool offensive linemen you can stand in front of. I think, I think Motown would like Anthony Richardson. Next, the Lions, the Lions at six. Next is the Raiders at seven. Nobody's in a long-term relationship with Jimmy Garoppolo. I wish I was in my personal life, but I'm not. I don't think the Raiders are either. They're no fools. They're no idiots. I know Josh McDaniels has a history, blah, 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 years ago, and Jimmy Garoppolo started just a little pittance of games. Fine. They're not looking at Jimmy Garoppolo to start the next two, three, four, five years. Nobody is. Go to, go to the Raiders. Be in Las Vegas. 
give ownership that splashy quarterback and that big star and that giant musculature you can just paste up on the side of the Mandalay Bay, get Raiders fans going. I don't mind that at all. Raiders at 7. Titans at 11. It's not sexy. It's not exciting because nothing in the history of the Titans is except for a couple players. Titans, 11th overall pick. Yes, they drafted Malik Willis last year fairly early, not terribly early, but if you believe what you hear, maybe they don't think he is going to be the next Hall of Fame quarterback uh, and he's not going to be on their roster for terribly long. Ryan Tannehill, I'm naming all the guys. All the guys really, eh, you know, Goff, Jimmy, Tannehill. This is the crew. This is the club of eh, guys. Good guys. Good people. Good players. Probably not cornerstones of the organization for years to come. Titans. All right. Then you get into the interesting ones. This is for Anthony Richardson coming out in the first round from Florida. How about the Vikings at 23? Maybe he's there. Maybe they'd have to move up. This is when people say, you're an idiot. What are you smoking? He'll never be there at 23. How do you know? How do you know? Because the draft experts themselves don't know. You have an egg avatar on Twitter and you're saying he's not going to be there. You don't know. And I don't know either. The Vikings, I can't imagine anybody who'd be more uh, of a better teacher than Kirk Cousins. He looks like an actual teacher, like a history teacher. So that would probably work. And then the Saints at 29, if Richardson's all the way down there, or if the Saints move up, do they really see a long, bountiful future with Derek Carr? They may say that they do. Derek Carr has never won a playoff game, and he's played in one. All right? I don't know if you just put him in a dome and surround him with a few good players, and all of a sudden, you know, he turns into Dan Marino. All right? I, I just don't know if that's going to happen. But I do know if the Anthony Richardson ends up there. It's a great spot. That's the most interesting pick in the draft, by far. Look, Will Levis is there. We know Young and Stroud are going to go, and then the Hendon Hooker is kind of looming. Richardson, for sure. That's going to be the wow pick. The, oh my God, everybody screams in the auditorium because of where he went so early, where he went so late, or where he went where they already have a quarterback. Somebody is going to get a call on draft night, and it's going to be Geno Smith, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, or Derek Carr, and they're going to get that just want to let you know we're thinking about doing something here with this Richardson kid out of Florida and we love you and we want to win Super Bowls with you, blah, blah, blah. And you can actually hear their eyes roll all across the country. It is the call that Aaron Rodgers did not get from the Packers when they drafted Jordan Love. But I think someone's going to get it on draft night. I think it's going to be about Anthony Richardson and I'm calling my shot right now. It will be one of those six teams and if it isn't, it damn well should be. Let's move on to what I hate. Oh man, do I hate the Daniel Snyder era in Washington. I love that it's over. I hate that it ever even happened. Let's just talk about this, guys. Now that it's over, let's, before we turn the page, because he sold the team and made all these billions and everything, I just want to reflect really quickly on what the hell was that? What was that last 24 years of garbage across the board? You know what's crazy? Is that back in the 90s, and when I was certainly a little kid, it was really special to be a fan of that team. Very special. Whether you're classically trained before I was born uh, on the Theismann era, or you were more of the Doug Williams into the Mark Rippon, like those are special teams. Seminal teams of their decades, 70s, 80s, early 90s. That team really mattered. And if you're a young person, if you're anywhere right now from a little kid to probably even 25, 30 years old, you have no memory of that team being anything other than just this sort of average at best, often crappy embarrassment of an organization. Just terrible. And it's been a quarter century of that almost. 
I think what's so, what's so terrible about what Dan Snyder accomplished there is he accomplished alienating so many great NFL fans and eliminating so many potential young NFL fans. Why would you like that team? Top to bottom, the least likable organization in the NFL for almost 25 years, and it started from the top. Now, many have spoken, as they should, about the disgusting, insipid, and unconscionable reports, facts, accusations that go on in the organization off the field, in the workplace environments, and things that Daniel Snyder himself has personally been accused of. Not only that they went down under his watch, that he personally, allegedly did them. It's that bad. He represented this unbelievably evil Saruman-type figure who loomed over that organization, and it was awful. And it's embarrassing. I've never seen a fan base alienated for that many years. I've never seen a workplace so insipid for so many years. Just awful from start to finish. And that's been talked about, and it will continue to be talked about, God willing, after he's gone. But can we just try to compartmentalize and set that aside? Even the football was awful. This was not a case of, man, it's ugly in those offices and it's a terrible shadowy organization that's slippery and slimy, but Listen, if their job is to put a good product on the football field, you have to give them that. No, you don't. You have to give them crap. They've been one of the worst teams ever under this watch, aside from all the dirty workplace stuff. Just the facts about the Washington team, who's changed team names, and they've done all these things. The team name thing, just the tip of the iceberg. During the Daniel Snyder regime, they are 164, 220, and 2. Their record at home for every single one of those fans who packs up their kids, who goes to the stadium, who puts on their jerseys, who buys the hot dog, who buys the beers, who buys the souvenirs. They go to a home game because their parents and their older siblings and their grandparents grew up with that organization and they loved them and they loved Charles Mann and they loved all these great Daryl Green. 89 and 107 at home. Not even close to an average 500 home record. And not in a five-year span, guys. Not in a 15-year span. This goes back to May of 1999. They are way below 500 at home. I went to a game in 2001 in that stadium, FedEx Field. And it was the Chicago Bears visiting Washington. And the place was really cool. It was a newer stadium at the time. They had good young players. It was exciting. They were running the ball with Stephen Davis. The place was really rocking. Last few years, is it even full? Is it even half full? And of that half full, how many of them are actual fans of the home team? Terrible. I look at ownership for that. Their playoff record, again, in 24 years, two and six. Two playoff wins in 24 years. Guys, the math says that's once every dozen years you can scrap your way to some flimsy little wild card win. Two and six. And by the way, both of those two playoff wins were very early in the Snyder regime. This thing sucked from top to bottom, any way you cut it, there's almost no redeemable quality that came out of that generation. Who are the amazing players? The stalwart, pillar, iconic players for that franchise over the last 24 years. It's not the player's fault, I don't blame them. I blame the way that the wrong ones were brought in, they were dealt with terribly, because you know the guys I think about bringing it, coming in under Dan Snyder? I think about guys like Albert Hainsworth, I think about crazy free agents taking stupid money and never produce squat once they got there. I can name the guys across the board right now. I don't want to insult them by doing it. It's not their fault. Number of head coaches in those years. 10 head coaches since 1999? That's, guys, that's like one every 2.3 years, I think. There's a new head coach. Norv Turner, Terry Rabisky, Marty Schottenheimer, Steve Spurrier, Joe Gibbs, Jim Zorn, Mike Shanahan, Jay Gruden, Bill Callahan, Ron Rivera. 
And Ron Rivera is actually steady. They sniffed the playoffs a few years ago. Didn't win, but they sniffed it. I look at the leadership. What an awful chapter. And this is positive because it's over. And, you know, ding dong, the owner is gone. It's over. You want to know how many starting quarterbacks they've had? I'm going to do it. Since Daniel Snyder took over the Washington organization, in addition to only winning two playoff games in 24 years, in addition to having 10 head coaches, in addition to alienating half the fan base, letting a stadium go into being one of the worst stadiums in the league, in addition to innumerable off-the-field, organizational, unsavory accusations, charges, and investigations, a top-to-bottom disaster and every single thing he's done, in addition to all that, under his watch, that organization has started the following quarterbacks. Remember, this is not over 60 years in a significantly smaller window. Brad Johnson, Jeff George, Tony Banks, Shane Matthews, Patrick Ramsey, Danny Werfel, Tim Hasselbeck, Mark Brunel, Jason Campbell, Todd Collins, Donovan McNabb, Rex Grossman, John Beck, Robert Griffin III, Kirk Cousins, Colt McCoy, Alex Smith, Josh Johnson, Mark Sanchez, Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Garrett Gilbert, Carson Wentz, Sam Bleepin Howell. <laughs> Who's next? I'm actually interested because there'll be a new ownership, a new leader. Saruman has fallen off the tower. He's done. He's gone. Thank God there's somebody new in here because that's been 24 years of embarrassment. I am happy for the fans of our nation's capital. You're back. You can breathe and maybe you can even win. But you know what? Most important, you can hold your head high. I'm happy for you people. I'll give you a hug. Happy weekend. Let's go to what's hilarious. All right. Um, it's a great, great media thing that happened. A great media thing in which um, <laughs> Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max is the show. In this particular time, Keyshawn Johnson and Max Kellerman were conducting some radio, which is also on TV, and uh, they had Isaiah Thomas call in. He wasn't in studio. He wasn't even on a Zoom. He's calling in like they used to back in the day, and he hung up on the show. Sort of. I mean, he did, but he did it with a lot of shtick and a lot of buildup, and it's one of the more unique radio experiences with a guest, with a big high-profile guest that I've ever seen. Here he is. Here's how it went. You won't believe why he did it. On ESPN's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Isaiah Thomas. If Chris Paul wins the championship, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm looking at my picture. I, come on, Keyshawn. I didn't, I don't. Y'all, y'all doing that? Wait, I, hey, y'all Zeke, doing that to I, me? I, 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 Zeke, I don't... Why don't you smile a little, I Isaiah? Saw, smile a little I bit. Saw, What's the, what are you so I sour about Max, that? I saw Max Kellerman's picture up there. I saw your Zeke. picture up Let's there. Y'all smiling. Y'all just had my man up there, you know, who was doing the football. He was smiling. That's right. This the picture y'all put up there, me? That's what the y'all picture. doing at ESPN to me? Well, you got to talk Come about on, That's man. a bitter that Isaiah right. Thomas I see. Why don't you smile a little bit, Isaiah? What's wrong? Come on, man. What's wrong with y'all? Why y'all do this to me? <laughs> this, is, this is messed up. As a matter of fact, y'all should just take that down. Right? I, can't, I, can't, I mean, who is to blame? Hey, who's I, responsible for this about, picture of one of the greatest this? players who this? ever lived? No, no. Pictures, pictures say a lot, right? And, and the way y'all got me cast in this picture, you know that ain't me. Come on, man. What y'all doing this morning? Who is in charge? Hold on, I How demand answers. Wait, wait, How Zeke. About this? 
Zeke, I'm going to hang up, and I'm going to call right back in two minutes. No, no, Zeke, I want you to seconds. stay on the phone. Stay on the Y'all phone. I want to find a picture of me. And he hung up, and he was gone. And they tried to change the picture, and he didn't want to hear it. Let me just make it clear. I am squarely 100% on Isaiah Thomas' side on this. I'm with you, Zeke, for a million reasons. First of all, congrats to Max and Keyshawn. That was a great piece of content. And I like that Max was really trying to maximize it. And he's like, we got a moment here. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. Stay here. We got to get into this. Why don't you smile more? And Zeke kind of wasn't kidding. You started thinking that he was kidding when he's just teasing about why would you have that picture? And you know the moment you know he wasn't? When he said, listen, pictures say a lot. And I think he's dead right for a couple of reasons. One, I don't know what kind of bylaw there is for radio producers, but when you, someone, maybe even yourself, calls into a radio show, it is the radio show code to put the worst possible picture you can find up there. It happens every time. And if you think I'm speaking autobiographically, you better believe I am. I don't know what it is, but anytime I call any show, and sometimes you do still call and they put a picture up, you call in and, and if you have the TV on, if you're watching, or later when you watch the clip hours later, you're like, how, how, did, how did they have my 2002 driver's license photo? What the hell? What is that? I've never seen that picture before. I look like a completely different person. Every single year I have to take professional shots from my job in the NFL. And they're out there for the taking. Where did you find that picture? I don't even know who that is. It's always a surprise. It's never the picture you want. And it's like, it's, it's like, it looks like a mugshot. It looks worse. It looks like faces of meth. Those pictures you see the before and after where they're like, hi, I'm a normal guy. And then six years later, they look like, like a real life Beavis or Butthead. That's the picture they use. So someone like Isaiah, who is obviously very perceptive and clearly is watching the TV show on mute while he's calling in because he knows it in real time. He's like, honestly, I'm giving this interview to you about the NBA, but I'm just going to keep it real. I'm pissed off about that picture. Because in the picture, I look pissed off. It's not a flattering picture of me. I've been a public figure for 40 years. You can take any picture you want and you chose that to be on ESPN while I'm talking to you and giving you my opinions and insight. Help me out a little bit here. So he starts busting Keyshawn's chops and he would think Keyshawn could relate because Keyshawn's probably been that in a different way than Max has. And I like that he blames Keyshawn for putting the picture as if Keyshawn pre-produced the Isaiah Thomas remote interview the night before and went and found that picture in AP Photo Services and said, yeah, that's how I'm going to get my guy Isaiah with that terrible picture. So I like Keyshawn being like, look, I don't, I don't know how the hell they get those pictures up there. I just show up here before the show and I talk some ball. He doesn't know. Max is trying to make, a, make water out of this. He's trying to get it going and make it like a huge, even bigger viral sound than it already is. But also, I think Isaiah's right. Isaiah is someone who has taken a ton of crap in the media for a million different reasons, some of, some of which, probably most of which, he deserves and he's earned, but here he is calling in as a guest, and it's true. When you put that picture up, and he's like kind of mad, and he doesn't look happy, and he looks cantankerous, you are projecting an image. And Isaiah, for all his faults, is a guy who is very smiley, he's usually pretty congenial, you know, he, he, maybe the smile is a little bit of a Cheshire Cat smile, but he smiles. Like, that was what he was kind of known for in part as a player. So he's like, listen, I'm trying to project a certain image, and you're putting that up here, and I'm kind of triggered by it. 
I saw the Max picture, he's smiling. I saw the Keyshawn picture, he's smiling. I saw the guy who was doing the football stuff, he's smiling. Why would you pick that picture of me? And you start to get a little paranoid about, again, infinite pictures of Isaiah Thomas doing all, and somebody made the choice to pick the one where he looked pissed off. It reminds me of, I've heard big celebrities talk about this in Us Weekly, where whether it's Jennifer Aniston or Ben Affleck or whatever, that they always find these pictures that they use the one where they look the most miserable or the most tired, or they take 10,000, then they look for the one where you're just so bad because then they're like, trouble in paradise for Ben and Jen. And they got this picture of Jennifer Aniston looking at apoplectic, where maybe she was in a really good mood and smiled for the rest of them. They choose that one. Isaiah's triggered. I don't blame him whatsoever. I really don't. One, I hate the picture they use all the time in the radio when you call in. It's never right. It's never updated. It's never flattering. And two, Isaiah's like, come on. Yeah, if you want to put up a picture when you're just talking about me, fine. You want to put a picture when you're critiquing me, fine. I'm calling into the show. Can you help me out a little bit? Can you give me a nice, handsome, smiley, happy picture? Because I'm fighting battles all over the media constantly. And I got Charles Oakley's going after me recently. Jordan's always dogging me. People are always bringing up that I walked off the floor, that I wasn't on the dream team, da 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 I'm supposed to be amongst friends here. Keyshawn. Could you not exercise a little editorial control amongst the staff and put in a nice, friendly picture of me? There's plenty of them. I'm on Isaiah's side. What I'm looking forward to, guys, with the show, Isaiah's next appearance. Can you imagine being the producer for Isaiah's next appearance and having to pick what the picture is? That's the biggest choice of your life. Because you know he's going to comment on it. you got to find the biggest, dumbest smile he has ever done. I don't know, he's hugging Rick Mahorn or Bill Lambeer. He's, he's squeezing the Lombardi. He's... He's celebrating as Jordan walks off the courts in the Eastern Conference Finals in the early 90s, late 80s, whatever you want. Find it, put it up there, because that will be the first, second, and third topic whenever he comes back, which is now appointment listening for Max, J. Will, and Keyshawn. Great job, but I have to say on record, I'm with Isaiah on this. Now, let's drink in a little something that we call, what are you toasting? Yeah. So I start the segment by saying, I hate that picture of me. I don't know what my staff is doing. I don't know what you're getting at. I don't know why you would do that. There's many pictures of me out there. I mean, come on, come on. I saw the other pictures look, the Ultimate Warrior looks good. Uh, Joe Pesci looks good. MC Hammer looks good. Dana Carvey, Kevin Bacon. And you gotta pick that, what are we doing here? Come on, what are we doing? We're toasting. Guys, right now it is early afternoon for me on Friday. My day is very different than most of yours because it starts so early, I get up just around four in the morning. So really like two o'clock in the afternoon for me is like 5.30 for some people. So that's happy hour and that is happy hour right now. And we will do, what are you toasting? I wanna hear what you're going to be drinking responsibly tonight, this afternoon, this morning, or this weekend. And what are you toasting to? When you raise a glass, what are you drinking to? I'll tell you right now. I'm drinking a Sip Margs. I found this product. It is a canned margarita. Mmm, it is so good. They got coconut ones, mango, I like the spicy one. This is just the OG original. Tastes really, really good. Tastes like an actual margarita, not some canned syrupy crap. So, I'm doing a sip marks and I'm toasting to the idea, not the idea, the fact that there's a new Metallica album out. It's out, it's there. Those guys, James and Lars, are gonna be 60 this year. They've been doing this thing for 40 years, doing double bass and guitar solos with Kirk and 
belting out the lyrics. I'm just so proud of them. I feel like I've grown up with them. They were way older than me, but I definitely grew up with their music. And I'm on a quest to find a young heavy metal band. I don't know if that art still exists. I asked Twitter, are there any young up and coming metal bands I could follow? And everybody sent me a series of bands they think maybe I hadn't heard of, like uh, Volbeat or Mastodon or Trivium, who have been around for years and years and years and have established fan bases. I want to see four dudes in their 20s who make heavy metal music. Not pop, not hip-hop, not EDM, none of that stuff. A guitar, a bass, a singer, and a drum set. Or two guitars. I don't care. Does that still exist? Alright, so 23-year-old dude born in 2000. Is he playing guitar, like rock guitar? I don't, I don't even know if they care anymore, that generation. If you find a young heavy metal band where all four members are in their 20s, I want to hear their stuff. I also want to hear what you guys are toasting to and what are you drinking? Let's get into it as we wrap up the week. Nom, 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 All right, Duke Wilbury. What's up, Duke? Duke says, I'm having a gin martini with jalapeno because you struck gold with that. He says, those are delightful. That's usually my drink on Friday afternoons. I talked about it last time I did this segment. I have a giant ice cold gin martini and put a slice of jalapeno in it. Not cucumber, not olive, jalapeno. It's spicy. I think it mixes well with the gin. And the best part is that last inch to half inch of gin is super concentrated spicy and it's like, bam, straight fire going back. He says he's toasting to the end of the Pistons and Red Wings seasons. Glad that's over. Not good ones for you boys. Um, Although I did get to talk some Isaiah Thomas for you, so it's all coming up Pistons right now. There's nothing wrong with toasting to the end of a season. Listen, it happens all the time. Uh, we've all done it. I used to do it all the time to the Cubs seasons. So I feel you, Duke, and thank you. Enjoy that gin martini with jalapeno. Next, Sean Witt. Sean Witt says he's drinking a bourbon on the rocks. Great. He says maybe four roses single barrel. Ooh, fancy pants. And he's drinking too that he just booked a summer trip to Sicily. Hey! Congratulations, Sean. I've never been to Sicily. Uh, it makes me think of Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. You had to be 100% Italian. And um, I've never been there. I just, I, I remember when I was in third grade, I remember learning that it, the boot kicks it, and I thought that was cool. So have fun there. Tell me how it is. I have not been to Sicily. Next. Dudley Boy, 17, says he's drinking vodka and Coke. Vodka and Coke? Huh. I don't usually mix those two unless it's a vanilla Coke or something like that and I'm a sophomore in college. Vodka and Coke, fine, whatever you want. I don't judge Dudley. He says, I'm toasting you guys over there for the amazing job you do every weekday. Hey! On behalf of the Kyle Brands Basement staff, thank you. You have the hell out of that vodka and Coke. I will lift one to you. If we ever meet, let's have one together. That's a good toast. Next, what are we drinking to? Devin Erickson, who has an avatar of Walter Payton. Pretty cool. He says, I'm drinking Miller Lite. Yeah. And toasting to the bright future of the Chicago Bears. Bear down, Chicago Bears. That's it, Devin. Got the nine pick. I keep seeing they're going to draft that offensive lineman from Northwestern. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. If they do, I hope it has nothing to do with the fact that he is a Northwestern lineman and is local. Local. I hate drafting the local. Who cares? No one cares. The Patriots didn't care when they drafted Brady in 199 that he was from California. The Miami Dolphins drafted Dan Marino is from Pittsburgh. Who cares? If you like him, great. Not because he was playing football nearby. Uh, Jason Burge, or Bergie, he says, Dirty Martini, Extra Olives, and Toasting Daughter's Birthday. Oh, Jason, that's great. I can't do the Dirty Martini. I just don't like the olives. But I will do the daughter's birthday. How old you, a daughter you got? My birthday, my daughter is going to have her seventh birthday this July 
and we're gonna go big. We're gonna go big because it's the middle of the summer and we can just do whatever the hell we want. You can do water balloons, you can do slip and slides. It's so fun. Happy birthday to your daughter. Next, I love these. Brian Daly, what do you got? Brian Daly's drinking a Ganset Tall Boy. Okay, I assume that's like a fancy cool beer. I don't know that much about beer, but I know Tall Boys. And he's toasting to both playoff hockey starting on Monday. Is that true? Awesome, playoff hockey Monday. And yeah, Brian. And he drinks to the return of roof and deck patio season. Basically he's saying, being on the deck, being on the patio, being on the roof, it's here. I mean, you guys cannot believe how hot it was in, in New York today and yesterday. It was like 87 degrees. It goes to that, like you get so sick of the winter and the crappy weather, and in five seconds you're like, it's too hot. It's so perfect. But that is a great toast, Brian Daly. Roof, deck, and patio season. All right, let's wrap this up. My man, Mikey Mash, he says he's drinking an old-fashioned. I like them. They're good. You like old-fashioned or Manhattan more? I like both of them. The answer is yes. And look at this. He's toasting to Jean-Claude Van Damme battling a war child in Cyborg. The one where he has a retractable nail in his boot for roundhouse kicks. A lot of people don't know what you're talking about, Mike. I know it better than I know my kids' names. The first Van Damme movie I ever saw was a movie called Cyborg. It's actually really cool and gritty, and he's crucified in the film. He's actually nailed to a cross, Van Damme. You can't make it up. Just um, a little bit late for Easter, I guess. And he battles Warchild. Warchild is the character from Point Break who fights Johnny Utah, but that same actor is the villain in the movie called Cyborg. And yes, in the movie, Van Damme has a blade that he flicks out from his boot exactly uh, like you would hope, and he kicks it around. I'm not talking about the knife that's, or the blade that's on the boot in Roadhouse where Dalton says right boot. This one comes in and out, it's retractable. And if you do a spin kick to someone's throat when it is, <laughs> when it is out, you will slash their jugular. And it makes for great, great, great late 80s action. I will drink to Van Damme battling Warchild and Cyborg. I'll drink to that any day and I'll drink to it all day. Mikey Mash, thank you so much. All of you guys, thank you so much. Calvary Space and staff, thank you so much. We got some love there and what are you drinking to? Or what are you toasting? Which. I love, and I wish it was a three hours long so I could have six of these things. Let's finish things up. Let's go to Skycam. We throw a dart. Oh wait, I gotta throw the dart first. Go to Skycam. Whatever number it hits, there's a corresponding topic that I have not seen nor prepared for. And today's topic will be number... 12. Number 12. 12, 12, 12. Topic number 12 to end the show and the week is what sport are you worst at? That's a good question. Because I'm bad at a lot of them. Well, uh, I was pretty good at football. I'm pretty good at basketball. At least I can hold my own. I'm a good skier. I'm a pretty fast swimmer. Uh, don't offer much in bowling. I'll tell you what the answer is. Somehow I think I'm worse at something than I am at golf, and that is awfully bad. Tennis. I've tried really hard over the last couple of years to get decent at tennis because my wife has taken it up and it's a very social thing to do where you go and you play tennis at the local court with another couple and you go for drinks afterwards and it's fun and that's great. But I go out there and I'm so terrible and what bothers me is that I get my ass whooped by people who are either significantly less athletic, significantly less in shape, significantly less fast or strong, it doesn't matter. They just sit back there and they can strike the crap out of that ball and put spin on it and I can't even touch it. It doesn't matter how many weights I lift or how many 
laps I run, I will get whooped by someone who is significantly less athletic and significantly older because I can't hit the ball and I'm trying and I'm taking lessons. I'm not good at stick and ball. I was never a good baseball hitter. So stick and ball is really, really my shortcoming and I would put golf under that as well. So basically I just said, anything that you hold a stick and hit a ball, which there's so many sports, I suck at all of them. But I really enjoy being with you guys, especially when we imbibe together, which we will try to do every single Friday. That's it, that's the week. We will see you next week. We love you, we miss you. Subscribe, share, tweet, post, like, meme, gif, all of that. Exit through the garage, enjoy your weekend. Close the door on your way out.